0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to Vibe Rant. It is Wednesday night. We are here to get your guys' uh, self esteem aligned. We got my brother from down other down under, <laughs> <Dota> <laughs> 3D hip hop artist extraordinaire, renegade law follower, <laughs> and we also have your Asimos from the. They're both from here from the Truth Podcast. Still in Nesis. That's how I say it, right, brother.
1: Yeah, sure. I don't really Close use my last name anymore. To be mm-hmm. honest, you're asking with the last night. You've got
0: enough syllables in your first name.
1: That's it. Bro. That's quite how think it is.
0: Well, I was going to introduce you as like the the best body positivity coach on the West Coast, like true body positivity.
1: <laughs> I, mean, no, I mean, I, I think I I, I I could vibe with that. You know, I definitely need to take some amount of my own advice these days, though.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we also got Gabriel, the uh, you know, the man, the legend. Ready to join us, the slickest of dissidents. So I want to first of all, shout out the chat. We got Skywalk, Skywalk, Trees, <laughs> Davin, Zerlath, uh, and I see Mari on the Rockfin side. Uh, good to see you all. Nicholas, really happy to see everybody in the chat. Please share the stream with any of your friends or Telegram groups or what have you that might like this type of content because you guys are my advertising arm and. You know, this is going to be a conversation that I think breaks some spells on a lot of people's perceptions of a a thinker in a school of philosophy that has been largely swept under the rug, if not outright demonized. So we're going to be talking about objectivism, which is the name of the school of philosophy put forward by Ayn Rand and the followers of her work in later years. I myself haven't done a deep dive on actually reading the works. But many people that I trust, including Joel and your Asimos and our mutual friend Michael Tesserion, have championed the self-esteem aspects of this philosopher's work and how crucial that really is right now in our current time, where more than ever the messiah op of just do it for everybody else, sacrifice yourself for the crowd. That's what all the cool kids do. You know, it's never gotten more extreme. People are literally getting sacrificed out here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you guys, what's up? They also have Here for the Truth podcast. You guys want to start with Joel and uh, introduce all the things that you do? It's been a while since we had you on the channel, both of you.
2: <laughs> yeah, bro, it has been a while. It's an absolute pleasure to be back and hang with some amazing brothers and, you know, break some spells and dive deep into what it really means to to be yourself. Yeah, you said it best. You're Asimus and I. were are co-hosts of the Here for the Truth podcast um we run you know we have got our group coaching program Rise Above the Herd as well which really helps instill people these philosophies in terms of what it means to be a self true heroism true self esteem individualism because more than ever it's our firm belief that the power needs to be back in the hands of those that are staking the flag in the ground for integrity for truth for authenticity and despite everything and all the craziness that's going on on our planet you doesn't change the fact that you have core values And they don't need to shift and you absolutely can still live a deeply proud, fulfilling and meaningful life despite all the chaos ensuing around us. So when we feel ourselves slipping into the grips of doomerism and gloomerism and all the rest of it, you know, more than ever that we need to turn within, recognize our, our own inherent power to deal with reality, our own competence to navigate reality in a way that's reflective of our values of what's important to you. And to me, that's what Ayn Rand really sheds a light on this is the philosophy of life that we're dealing with.
3: Well said, bro. Yeah.
0: yeah. Let's kick it over to you, dude. Would you like to introduce the the subject matter or introduce your guys podcast and like, you know, your coaching work a little more. That'd be cool too.
1: Yeah. I'll talk about the podcast a little bit. I mean, uh, Joel's, Joel's more of our, more of our activist expert, I'm having a little bit of choppiness on the internet, some issues in Topanga. So, hopefully, it doesn't cause an issue for you. Y'all are frozen right now for me. So, I have no idea if you can hear me. Um, You're coming in. Are you able to hear me?
0: Yeah, the video might get a little wonky, but we
3: should still be able to hear you.
1: All right. (laughs) I see that. He freezes up. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know what's been going on. But, uh, yeah, man, listen, Joel and I met. in uh, 2021, you know, my wife and I were on the unslaved podcast, uh, talking about somatic intelligence, and um, this was in March and May 2020 when we were on on the podcast. And, and Joel came across the podcast, and he he saw, he hit me on Instagram, and, and was like, "Yo, I, I dug I dug what the podcast was about." And uh, I was like, "Who's this dude Joel in Australia doing some cool stuff?" And we just we hit it off, man. We we both have a love for truth. We both have a love for for, for diving deep and, um, and sharing important knowledge. And we wanted to start a podcast. And so, you know, May 17th, we just jumped on zoom and pressed play. And we started, we just decided to talk what it means to walk an authentic path. That was our first episode. And we just vibed, you know, we just, we just had our own little vibrant, and we um, yeah, it was really it was really awesome to connect with with a brother, man. We, we align in a lot of areas and it was really cool to see what does it mean, man? What does it mean to be an individual? What does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to go against the crowd? What does it mean to be like, OK, I've been taught all these things and conditioned in all these ways from mom, dad, society, culture, etc. And it's like, fuck that. I'm not into that. That that's not where my spirit, where my soul you know is is guiding me and i want to stand firm in who i am and live by my chosen values and go after the things that i want to go after even if some people are, are like but hurt over it or think they know better on how i should live my life or if they want to judge me as being selfish because i'm not just catering to every one of their needs and when you truly love yourself and know yourself and make decisions that are in your rational self interest you know, you're more likely to achieve fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. And 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 I can speak yeah. personally for myself. That's where I'm at. I'm blessed to have Joel as a brother and blessed to have Joel as a business partner. I love what we're about and I love what we're doing. And I'm I'm fired up to keep keep going. Beautifully said, man.
0: I want to actually read some comments from over on our telegram group, the Vibrant Call-In line, that people can find at the link I'm about to drop in the chat. This is a great place to put in questions, memes even voice messages that I can play on the show if you guys want to, like, vocally give us something to hear or ask a question. So first, we have Chris K., who says, I'm here for the objectivism. Huge fan of uh, Ayn Rand and a huge fan of Joel. Going to be a banger conversation. Looking forward to tuning in. Unfortunately, he's not a fan of Eurasmus, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, by the way, Dylan okay, dropped Dylan. a pretty cool comment yeah. here. Um, my boy Dylan says, if you consider philology, Samos, coming from Sama, meaning high in Phoenician, and the a letters A and I interchanging, and then you have Era, Eri, Heri, pertaining to Holy and Savior, <laughs> your asmos is the high Savior. <laughs> are you high, high right, right now, now? You are on the West Coast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not high I'm not high i don't I don't get I don't high, but I high on a life, very, very we're... long day, so maybe uh that <laughs> I'm high in life uh, I appreciate that, Dylan. That's really cool. I mean, I've never heard it in that way. I'm named after the patron saint of the island of Catalonia in Greece, which is where my father was born and raised um so if there's another deeper meaning, cool and I, I dig that.
0: for sure, that's a really good deep meaning. Now, this other comment's a little longer, but it's kind of a mind-blowing one. Claire says, hey, Joel and Gerasimus, thank you so much for creating y'all's podcast that has taught me so much. And even though I'm just beginning to implement walking and living an authentic path, I already feel so much healthier physically, mentally, intellectually, and spiritually. And she goes on to talk a little bit, a little bit more about some other stuff. But I want to also say she says, I didn't hear about your podcast conventionally through media or anything. I was standing in my grandmother's living room. And the next thing I know, my vision goes foggy and I hear a voice whisper here for the truth podcast. <laughs> and then I look down at my phone and I'm downloading a podcast app and subscribing to hear for the truth. And she says, she's never benched so hard on podcast episodes. Uh, your show truly opened the door for her to learn the true possibilities in life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And she can't wait for more episodes. It's a pretty amazing comment. What? Well,
2: I mean, uh, that was Thank a good moment for me. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: <laughs> I hope she's tuning in right now live because that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, Gabriel, I want to kick yeah. something over to you Great. and ask you a question, buddy. You've got your ear to the ground in the conspira sphere. <laughs> right, you you seem to be pretty much hip to like all the things that everybody said about anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want you to give in your words, like you know, what do you hear? What's the scuttlebutt about Ein Rand in the you know, like in our truth community, which is a, a difficult title because there's so much dogma and often so little truth.
4: Yeah, well, uh, there's quite a bit going on, and uh, I might be a little. uh Bias because i've been cramming for the for the show tonight i've been doing some some last minute studying but one one thing uh that we have seen over on the spiders you know we focus a lot on the uh the class of eunuchs and the history of the eunuch class as it uh is known to have swayed elections in rome you know in the eunuch class was uh was almost justified a, a majority from time to time. And it was like, you know, today we say blue collar, white collar, but back then it was like, you know, those higher minded individuals who weren't so base in their, in their you know, lower desires, they constituted a majority from time to time. And so what kind of blows our mind is how that is metaphorically reflected still today in in the current Rome. And so, Ian Rand in the conspiracy world, a lot of people question her gender, which I don't. I don't. I'm quite sure she's a woman, but there's a lot of people who are like, that looks like a dude. And then another thing that kind of, you know, is circumstantial, but her titles oftentimes have very phallic uh, correspondences. Like, let's see. The Rothschild mistress. And Mentor Greenspan. Yeah, that's another, yep, good one, Dylan, for sure. That is another uh, kind of something that people will harp on. Uh, But, you know, Fountainhead, you know, the, uh, what is it, uh, was it The Red Pawn? Was her first book? And these have a lot of phallic implications to them. And so a lot of people kind of slide her into that category of, is this another one of the uh, uh what do they call it the the trans apocalypse you know that there's a there's a secret race of transgender people influencing the upper echelons of of humanity and they're not telling us because they adhere to a different sense of morality so that's that's one thing that a lot of people are want answers on uh but i got to say i every time i give her a chance she pulls me in i'm quite drawn i'm quite attracted to uh, everything that, uh, I've seen that she has to say as a person, regardless of whether she's got a, uh, smoothie or not down there. <laughs> so that's the conspiratorial, crazy, uh, marks against her. And the Alan Greenspan thing is a good point too. Uh, but I, uh, I'm in my research today, you know, I'm like comparing her against Nietzsche and seeing the fine line between them. And it's a very important line to be aware of. You know, because a lot of these philosophical conundrums can be taken a little too far in this in certain ways. And it's I think that's a nice line to uh, to draw out is, you know, the different difference between atheism and nihilism completely. So there's that.
3: <laughs> all right,
0: guys, I want to hear some responses to all this stuff.
2: Joel? I mean, it's all pretty ridiculous from where I'm standing, particularly in the light of objectivism. Does anyone have objective proof or truth that Ayn Rand has a dick? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, there's there's many reports of multiple lovers throughout her life. One being her primary intellectual heir, Nathaniel Brandon, who is in fact the father of self-esteem. Um, and to me, everything that I'm hearing now is actually a, a product of a lack of application of what Ayn Rand actually taught, which is reason, which is rationality, which is objectivity, which is the power of one's mind to actually navigate reality, which is um, to not grant oneself license to create illusions and mythmongering simply because one does not know. And so all of these areas which we find ourselves slipping into is actually a product of one's lack of willingness to apply the rational faculties and their reason uh, to life, you know, if if, if, if there's obviously as many controversies around Rand, primarily the main controversies are because we live in a very collectivist paradigm. Um, on some level, we could say that, you know, these Gnostic collectivists, in fact, um, rule the world. So when you have an individual that's out there teaching you how to be an individual, teaching you how to love life, teaching you how to esteem the self, then obviously there's going to be a massive tirade against that human being. Um, so again, there's going to be the, those people that I guess, listen to, to the breadcrumbs floating around and there's going to be those people that actually dive deep into an 1100 page book and discover things for themselves. And there's a very distinct line between those two kinds of people.
0: I like what you're saying there. That's, uh, pretty much what I see. That's why I like put parentheses around the truth community because Yeah it's uh, mostly an echo chamber of people's interpretation of someone else's interpretation of somebody's interpretation who never read the source material, you know? (laughs) So like, that's why I'm like, I'm fully honest about it. I haven't read the source material, but uh, I suspect that it's like you said, it's the Gnostic collectivism and uh, it's Gnostic with inverted commas because just like in our conversation on that particular subject, most of what gets said and applied to that label on the internet are people that never actually visited the text or had the keys of decipher decipherment for the text and with Rand, I don't think you even need keys to decipher it. You just read it. <laughs> it's not like layered in occult uh hidden meanings too much. I would assume it seems like it's pretty straightforward.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if there's if there's an agenda behind someone promoting you being a fully self responsible, autonomous individual that chases their highest goals and pursues their highest values and lives a life of deep fulfillment and happiness, then fucking, I want no part of the truth community.
0: Well yeah, I don't need to be put in that umbrella myself. You were about yeah. to say something, yourassimos.
1: No, I just said well said, and again, like you talked about reading the actual material, you know to anyone listening to this who hasn't just sit down and read Atlas shrugged, you know, it's like 1100 page book, you know, that'll give you an idea whether or not you can get down with she's about or if not, you know, so if you sit there and read some person's interpretation or because she's been labeled some like far right individual, I mean, again, check it out for yourself. Look look at the world we're living in. Like Joel was saying, we're living in this like arch collectivist society where again, like anything that you do for anyone else and where you sacrifice yourself is considered good. And yet anything that you do for yourself is considered evil, which is pretty much the morality of collectivism, which is altruism. And, you yeah. know, and like she wrote out, shrugged, what was it? I think in the fifties. In and so you read that book and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you think that book could be written now?
0: Yeah. Right, right, right. And uh, so much of.
1: No, it's, it's just, it's just that I think, um, really have a huge impact on people's minds. Oh, there was a delay there, my bad.
0: Oh yeah, it's all it's all good, Britta. I was just gonna say that a lot of uh Churchian dogma has to do with this concept of altruism. And that word is so talismanic that just by s- stating that uh maybe that's not such a great concept, <laughs> you're immediately by some people gonna be looked at as like the bad man. But when you think about it, is it also not widely accepted that give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man to fish, he can fish, <laughs> so I think that the in terms of like authentic followers of Jesus' values, it would be the teach a man to fish and and yeah, I mean we, we see this all day, the inversion of uh scriptural knowledge being a very similar thing, and we can't judge a- ph- philosopher by. Their followers either. That's a really important thing that just because maybe some, uh, sketchy people have in, have held up her philosophy and then maybe done harm in the world. It's the same with like a Hegel whose philosophy has been also taken to task by the truth community so much that they, you know, they call the problem reaction solution, the Hegelian dialectic as if he's the father of the, uh, <laughs> the playbook of the, Want to be controllers of the world? When uh, mostly it's like people's interpretation and follow follow up people from Heigl that took the work and interpreted it a certain way to those ends, as far as I understand. So there's a lot of this that happens.
4: A whole lot, yeah. The same thing happened with Nietzsche. His his sister got a hold of his work, tweaked it here and there, and then it got blown up. And Nietzsche catches all the flack. Uh, when there's a lot of middlemen in between. And I love that quote you have, Chance, about if you want to change the world, you got to be willing to give somebody else the credit. And that seems to be a very well-known maxim uh, throughout history. Uh, And every time you learn about a person, you got to kind of learn about uh, the chain of custody between you and that person's work. Uh, And like you said, read the source.
1: Yeah. Well, other thing too, I want to comment real quickly and then, you know, we can dive into other things is just like when you think about the truth community, when you think about an individual, um, that honors their, their, the faculties of their mind, like there has to be discernment. Like we live in this world where there's so much throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's like, like, oh, Ayn Rand said this one thing which means – which I disagree with, which means all 1,100 pages and thousands of other pages of all her other books is bullshit and she's an evil person. It's like where's the nuance? Where's the ability for people to go, oh, hey, listen, I can really down with – I could take this knowledge and apply it into my life. And it could really advance my life and my understanding of myself. And, oh, maybe, you know, these few passages I'm not really down with. And I just feel like we're moving more and more towards that, you know, where people, they don't have the the fluidity of thought and, and the open-mindedness to stand between the tension of opposites of like, wow, this thing's triggers me, but this other shit is gold. And it's amazing. And I'm going to take this in and utilize it.
2: Yeah. But also, like a lot of these, a lot of these ideas are a symptom of incredibly low self-esteem. So, Ayn Rand would laugh most of these people out of the room. You know, this this comes about from people most of the time that you know have the least productive output, have the least creative output, um, have the least value for self, at least at least willing to uphold themselves. You know, and they're the most riddled with contradictions. They're the most riddled with juggling all these different philosophies, which overlap and contradict each other. And they don't know where they are oriented in reality whatsoever. So I think the most important thing, I mean, Ayn Rand wrote many books. One of them was Philosophy, Who Needs It? And well, the answer is everyone needs philosophy because ultimately, philosophy is the input which is going to guide the output in your life. And so if your output isn't really leading you to satisfaction, to fulfillment, to a love of self, then what are you actually inputting? And most people, in my my observation don't have a proper philosophy which they can rely upon to guide their actions, to guide their values, to have a deeply deep understanding of what morality even is and to even understand what they really want in life. So what do you, first and foremost, before you question or boo-boo someone else, what is the state and position of your life, your happiness um, first? you know, and if, if that's not where you want it to be, if you haven't solved all the problems of your, of the self and of the world, then, you know, maybe like Erasmus said, do some reading before you start pointing a finger.
0: (laughs) I like this comment. Welcome to Sag season. Yeah. We are getting into philosophy on the first vibrant of Sagittarius. That seems highly appropriate. (laughs) It always works out like that though. So, you know, I want to point out too, that, this discernment idea of what you said you're asked most about like take some leave what doesn't feel right. That applies to everything and uh, the religious mindset, the dogmatic mindset struggles with that. Like the entire Bible is the inspired word of God, but you know, like not all of those words came from the same author or from the same time period or from the same source or with the same intent. Maybe not all of it is good. Like um, Owen Benjamin's yeah. been talking about, uh Thomas Jefferson today and how the uh founding fathers Jefferson had a bible that removed like he had a version of the bible that removed all the miracle stories and all of the uh paulian <laughs> scriptures and it was just like just the philosophy of like how to treat yourself and others in a more grounded and practical way and I'm like I think that's pretty cool you know he did exactly that he took what he felt was most beneficial and useful and uh, ejected the uh, four foot six um, ex murderer <laughs> guy, the Paul guy from the uh, equation. I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, and we need more of that. And that also the attack on um, Rand. Whether or not some like nobody is a perfect saint, so you know you're gonna be able to dig up skeletons in anyone's closet. But if that means you're gonna throw out an entire way of thinking. Uh, that is problematic because it's not really about her at the end of the day. It's about whether or not the idea is valid and true that right. self-interest is actually acting out of authentic self-interest as in what's actually best for you on all metrics. Not what like your damaged or deranged ego wants or what your addictions say that you want, but like what's le- legitimately best for you in all spheres of health. Uh, if it seems so obvious to me, and I've preached it for a long time, that like if that's how everyone acted, there wouldn't be the need for altruism in mass. There would be maybe some situations where somebody needed a hand, but you'd have a lot of capable people around to give a hand. <laughs> if everyone was taking care of themselves first, it only makes sense to me.
2: Yeah. And for the individual that's filled their own cup, they're far more inclined to want to help another individual than someone who's starving and someone who's depraved and someone who's riddled with resentment because they've never really recognized how to really feed themselves or uplift themselves. So the people who are most inclined to genuinely help others and those most capable of helping others are obviously those who've actually helped themselves first. They have a surplus. They have an overflow. But what we have is we have a society that's all been conditioned deeply with this idea of altruism where Anything that I do for someone else makes me good and makes me moral, makes me worthy. Anything I do for the self makes me selfish, makes me greedy, makes me corrupt. So there's just this invisible barrier where an individual just constantly starves themselves before they can even take, take a look at their own life, you know, and we're all giving from empty cups. We're all giving from a place of resentment, from obligation, from shame, from guilt. And everything that we see around us is, is, is a result of that, in my opinion.
4: Yeah, man, agreed. You know, I think oftentimes I have a father who he took the poke poke and yeah. he, you know, when he pats himself on the back, he thinks that was the noble thing, the good, the right thing, you know, it comes from a, uh, he's, uh, also quite versed in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, so he does have like a, a group identity intrinsic to his DNA, you know, in, it's just, uh, it's so dangerous because, uh, he thought he was putting himself like as a, as a human shield, you know, he thought he was taking the hit from the front line and maybe somewhere in his mind, he's thinking, I'm doing this so that the next generation won't have to, and we can, you know, I'll throw myself on the fire for, for those who come next, but we are in such a different time that the fact of the matter is as soon as the grownups give consent for the sake of the, the, great or good it's immediately going to be expected of the children it was only a matter of a few i mean we knew it was coming it was only a matter of a few months before they're pointing those needles at the kids you know and so his altruism just uh was uh turned in their altruism people with that mindset turned into a wave of momentum a very dangerous wave of momentum very quickly in the modern day
0: and i want to speak on that too how um the altruistic mindset also programs your universe towards basically psychic vampirism. <laughs> uh, you're, you're basically holding up a flag that says, come and, come and take it. I'm giving it away for free.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that, uh, so like I have an uncle who he, for the same exact reason, took the cow pokes and he was already in poor health. You know, he had that extreme physical armoring uh, that empathic people take on with a lot of weight because of constantly being, you know, energetically the the target of vampiric individuals <laughs> and being basically open for business for that because he keeps serving them and keeps serving them and they keep coming back and taking a bigger bite each time. So basically at the point where he took the cowpoke for the sake of everybody else. And he's like the kindest dude. He was a great guy. One of my favorite people in the world and, uh, ends up with a heart attack and is gone like that. And so that's basically the, the story of what you get with, with to taking it to the extreme is that, um, when the final straw comes that breaks the camel's back, you're are, the reason why a straw can break the camel's back is because you've been battered and bruised and bitten off of over and over again. And you keep asking for it because it's literally a religious mindset that I must allow this pain and suffering, you know, the best guy in the world, let everybody crucify him. So I got to do that. And that's why I think it's super insidious that that's like, the emblem and the crux, pun intended, of the entire religion. When yep. there's a lot more going on in that text and in those scriptures, in terms of philosophy, than just that part of the story that seems to be the focus of everything. Yeah,
1: yeah, and the, even this this concept of the greater good that um you know you were talking about be- before. is like who determines that? You know, like who determines what is for the greater good? And in any collective. The person who has the most influence or the groups or the people that have the most influence within that collective are the ones that determine that. And so that phrase, too, also, like I get it when someone's, you know, we interviewed um, G. Edward Griffin on the podcast, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, and which was awesome. And we pretty much just got into individualism, collectivism and the dude's a legend. It's like, yeah, like that's a, that's actually a great idea. I, I want like the, the the greater number of benefit for the greater good. But the question is, what is The best way to go about doing it. And I think the conversation we're having here, the best way to go about doing it is when individuals know themselves, honor themselves, respect themselves and engage voluntarily with other people in that process. And where there's no masters above and no slaves below ultimately is going to create the greater good for the greater number in that regards. And so I think like, I, I understand the the overall idea of that saying, and I, hell yeah, I want, I want people to, I want a greater number of people to, to experience good. But again, what is the strategy and what's the best way to go up doing, go about doing it?
2: Yeah. Well, to me, the strategy is for them to recognize that no one has any right to their life except themselves. They're the only person that has the right to their own life. So as a individual entity, as a self-responsible individual entity, how can they actually use the freedom that comes with being individual and self-responsible and lift themselves up and work themselves up to build the capacity, to build the competence, to build the strength, to build the courage, to build the creative and productive faculties, to live the life that they want to live, to let that unique inner dream unfold, but to act within reality, you know? But as long as we we remain in these victim identities and we believe someone else is responsible for our life, for our happiness, for our health then we're never actually going to build that self-esteem. And individuals will always remain unhappy, unfulfilled if they're lacking self-esteem. And we can talk about self-esteem. The basic definition of it is the competence, the basic competence to deal with the challenge of life. And ultimately, that's what every single person is chasing. All the, all the new age types, all the spiritual types, whoever it might be. Every all, all the escape mechanisms, ultimately all it is is a way to look to replace that feeling which they haven't found yet. But when an individual feels competent to be with the reality they found themselves in, they're not looking outside anymore. They're not looking for other answers. They're not looking for all the endless conspiracies, they're not looking for all the myth-mongering. No, they've fallen in love with their own life. They've fallen in love with the fact that they've been given the gift of being a human being in this reality. They have creative faculties. What does that mean to that person? Do you think that person is worried about fucking whether Ayn Rand has a dick or not? No, they're not. They're worried about creating. They're worried about giving that inner gift and manifesting it externally into something beautiful and saying, I did that. I made that. I'm fucking proud of that.
4: Yeah, man. You know, uh, I want to add one thing. My thought is it doesn't matter if she has a dick or not. She's got awesome uh, lessons for all of us to learn from, you know, and like you were saying, standing in the polarity of opposites. I can never unhear the rumor that she might not have a dick, but I don't have to entertain it to the extent that I'm not going to pay attention to what she has to say. Because clearly it is paramount. You know, it has really come to a head uh, in a major way. So it's becoming increasingly important. A fountainhead. (laughs) Yeah, man. Atlas has apparently shrugged, right?
1: And even with Joel, what you were talking about, you know, you bring up this idea of reality, which is a, such a big piece of objectivism. And like one of my favorite quotes from from Ayn Rand is, you know, you can avoid reality, but you can't avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. You know, and I think this is what we deal with and we navigate uh, what, what we're seeing with some of these escapist types. You know, it's like, cool. Reality is reality. You know, you can try to avoid it, but you're going to have to still deal with the consequences of not of, of avoiding that in your life. So
0: that's a, a really good subject to come back to, but I want to circle back to like continuing on the self-esteem aspect of this. Cause like there's a reality, objective reality, and then there's self-esteem. These are the two biggest arms. Yep. Of the, you know, of the conversation here. And so I want to get into talking about value from the perspective of, uh, not exactly self-esteem, but self-worth, which is related, but it's not the same. So there's like a mindset of you see people who have a lot and you feel like you don't have a lot and so you're like they could be giving more they're living high on the hog why aren't they you know sharing what they have more does that that makes them bad or or wrong and so i want to talk about how this sort of lack or poverty consciousness programs the universe that to make to programs of the universe with the, uh <laughs> the code, like this is all metaphor. Obviously I don't think we're in a computer or whatever, but you're programming the field of, of life force energy with the statement, if you will, the identity that I don't have value. Yeah. And whenever you want things for free or you want, uh you won't do it unless you get the discount code or half price or, you know, pro bono, this is programming the universe that you don't have value. and. Uh, whenever you are. So there's like this coming out of poverty consciousness thing is something I feel able to speak on because it's something that I did that I now that I'm not in poverty consciousness. Right. <laughs> now that I'm like, I have faith in myself that I can do exactly what I'm here to do without needing safety nets or backup plans. And that I'm going to be supported in that. Uh Financially speaking, I'm, I'm actually doing better than I ever did whenever I had the backup plan and the safety net and was killing myself to get that paycheck while also doing what I loved on the side. You know, now what I love is no longer on the side. It's the main, the main attraction. And so I've learned since then that the more I am willing to pay other people to help me with or to provide me with what I authentically need and pay what they ask for. Don't ask for a discount. Don't even think twice about it. Just fearlessly be like, that's what it costs. I can pay that. Here it is. Cause it's what I need right now. It's what fits the equation. The more I do that, the more I find that the universe provides like a return in some way that matches or exceeds what I just put in <laughs> in like almost an instant turnaround. Yeah, it's it really wild. wild. It's hard to describe until you've experienced it, but this actually exists. And I find this in people's biofield all the time when I'm doing biofield tuning, the sacral chakra, second chakra, the orange color, this has these polarities in it of, so this is where our creative energy to actually act on the world comes from. And it's where self-worth, self-worth being what you're willing to ask for in, in return, what you will ask, what you think that you should get for what you put in. And this is a huge part of the equation because when people are starting out in entrepreneurial stuff, they're like, they're still in this sort of poverty consciousness. They're projecting that on others. So they're thinking nobody's going to want what I have to offer unless they give it to them cheap, or you know, healing arts should be free. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not authentic. All that stuff, and it, like, I want you guys to speak on that because there's so much that can be said about it. But in the biofield, this question of self worth and what you're willing to ask for, uh, you know, you should ask for what you really need, <laughs> what actually f- fits your requirements. So that that's the key. But it has this polarity um, when it's out of whack of frustration. So course. You know, self-worth operates on the axis of satisfaction versus frustration.
1: like well, a, a manifesting generator. What? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Spoken like a manifesting generator, dude. That's the, that's the, that's the signature of the not-self theme of generators. Anyways, I don't want to get into human design. It's a different conversation. But uh, well, real quick. Well, no, that applies. Yeah, based on what you said earlier about like you just pay people you know what they're worth. I'm happy to hear that because my fee for this vibrant is five thousand dollars. So I look forward to uh you've me you know, some money later, dude. Uh it's really amazing. <laughs> okay,
3: perfect, cool.
0: You can I've got send that one thousand dollar off- bill with like a Cthulhu kitty squid on it, so it's actually cool. worth more. Is that I'll okay? Take it. We take-
1: I'll take it. Oh my god. Send it. <laughs> Be a carrier pigeon
2: to Topanga Canyon. But yeah. So what, what, what we're talking about here, Chance, is the concept of trade, right? And basically, Ayn Rand said the principle of trade is the only rational ethical principle for all human relationships. And one of the symptoms of altruism is that we have individuals who seek to be loved for their weaknesses and for their flaws. This is this is a product of the victim identity. As long as I'm in a state of need, then that makes me worthy. We correlate neediness with worthiness because we think it's the only way that we can receive money, we can receive discounts, we can receive love, is because is because I need it. As opposed to being honored for your ability and to receive based on your ability, based on your productive capacity. So the the trader, according to Ayn Rand, was the archetypal human being, was was the was the ideal right and she said a traitor does not grant love to the weaknesses and flaws of others only to their virtues and when we all live with this with this in 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 mind then ultimately we're all encouraging each other to uplift each other's virtues we don't we don't grant love because someone decides to be weak and needy and be a victim and not help themselves But we grant and we reward those who actually choose to uplift themselves, who choose to do something about the problem of life. And this is what it means to exit poverty consciousness, in my opinion, is to be valued for your ability, not for your need. And the opposite, the vice versa, as you know, is a product of collectivist communism. That's what it is. That's And that's what we're all being programmed with. The more needy I am, the more worthy I am. But what does that mean for your value of your own life? You're saying, I don't value the self. You're saying, I don't value my productive capacities. I believe I have no ability. So that's, yeah, you're right. That's, the, that's the, the universal principle you're going to get back is exactly that.
0: Comments? <laughs> I want to keep going on this part.
1: Well, I mean, I don't really have much more to say on that, except even when you think about trade, and you think about exchanging value for value. I mean, that, that literally is the foundation of, of capitalism to some degree, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it comes down
2: to. Joel, you can comment more on this. I know, cause this is more of your yeah, expertise. Well, the, the focus of the trader is going to be on giving as much value as possible. Imagine we had a society of individuals who are focused on producing and creating value as opposed to the opposite. Yeah. And you know what I'm realizing now
0: is that obviously we know there are forces in the world that hold a lot of the world's store of value in terms of hard assets yet are not actually offering value (laughs) to the world, right? Mm -hmm. So how does that dynamic come about? And now I'm starting to see it that those forces that hold a lot of the value but don't actually offer any authentic value manage to do that by tricking people into putting value on their weakness and on their neediness. If that makes sense. I'm not sure if I can elaborate this, but I want to explore this as a concept because, you know, you brought up the the C word, capitalism. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we see a lot of uh, hate on Mm -hmm. that concept and we see a lot of misuse of uh, economic sorcery in the current world. And what we have right now, maybe we could even make an argument that this isn't even really capitalism where we're at right now. But
3: uh, it's, come it's, on. Never been. it's never
2: been. Yeah, this, this, this is definitely not capitalism. Capitalism is fundamentally the idea that you have the right to your own life, you have the right to your own property, and uh, everything that I receive, I have to trade equivalent value in return for it. Um, and with, with minimal, minimal intervention. In fact, in a true capitalist model, the only role of government should be to protect individual rights. And that the main individual right is the right to property. If someone else has the right to your property, that means they have the right to your mind. Okay. If they have the right to your mind, ultimately you're a slave. If you think back to a hunter gatherer situation, someone would use their own mind, their own skills, their own to go gather their own food. If all of a sudden someone else comes along and says, Hey, that's mine. Then you are their slave. Okay. Because you can no longer feed yourself. Your actions, your productive actions, no longer equal return for yourself someone else is claiming that by force. So as think about how much force we have involved, just think about income tax as a basic standard, right? This is not cap. This is not capitalism by any means whatsoever.
0: And Dylan makes a good point that it is important to say free market capitalism these days <laughs> as a distinction, yeah.
2: for sure. Free market laissez-faire for sure.
0: Yeah. And, no, uh, you know, as somebody, uh, coming out of poverty consciousness, uh, People like yourself, Joel, help me see this and other others along the way before that, how if you're offering a service to somebody and you project your poverty consciousness onto them and think they're not going to want the service unless you give it to them at a discount that totally cuts out any of the like making it even worth it for you to do <laughs> or in some way reduces your um what you need to be less than what you needed for the exchange because you think that that's like the altruistic thing to do, the good thing to do. Well, you know, especially when it comes into healing arts of any kind or coaching or anything that's going to have to do with helping somebody lift themselves up. You're not going to be helping them um, as much or even at all. If you're giving it to them in an exchange that is not beneficial to you and to, to like elaborate on that, Just the very idea that someone has to make an investment in the service in itself that actually increases the effectiveness of the service because they're invested in it (laughs) energetically. They put hours of work in to be able to attain the service, and they're less likely to like, you know, turn around and just go back to the old way of thinking or operating, uh, because it, it it was costly for them to achieve whatever shift you may have helped them do. And you don't want them to just like, then it hurts your reputation later down the road. If you have a lot of clients that are not, that are just backsliding back to where they were before they worked with you because
2: they never had to make an investment for the work in the first place. For sure, man. And at the same token, when you're when you're paid appropriately, you're far more inclined to provide as much value as possible. If if whereas if you're offering discounts and you're 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 pricing yourself at a point where you're not really happy with the value that you're giving, then ultimately what you're giving is going to be rooted in resentment as well, you know? Dissatisfaction.
0: Dissatisfaction. You're not satisfied yeah. with what you're getting for what you're putting in. And yeah. they're going to not be satisfied with the result either.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is touching uh, directly on a topic that I have uh, recently learned a lot about just uh, in terms of tracking the cultural roots of the idea. Um, So I'm really into the Enneagram right now uh, and uh, uh, kind of trying it out in new ways that may not have ever been done before. i uh, very imaginative and experimental. Uh, and one thing that I've uh, come to appreciate is that there's actually infernal spirits on the Enneagram in different positions. One of those infernal spirits, it's, you know, based on the uh, seven deadly sins plus deceit and fear. They were added to the seven deadly sins. Um, but one of them is greed and so i've been really researching the uh cultural implications of greed going all the way from the church into modern day uh in the economy uh and so uh, gr- uh greed is in his infernal uh being his infernal shadow is mammon that's actually a demon of the infernal realms is mammon and so mammon in law Thank you, Kurt Richardson, uh, for Clint Richardson, for bringing forward the definition of mammon is false valuation. Mm -hmm. And false valuation is what we're talking about right now. It's uneven weights and measures. It's I give you a whole day's work and I got barely enough to feed myself for the work that I put in. And we are in a very interesting time right now with those scales have been tipped in a really uh, kind of frightening kind of way. You know, uh, when. We did Obamacare. They got all of our actuarial information. They could run the run the numbers and find out uh, how much health care and social welfare is going to be required based on all of our life expectancy. They just crushed those numbers. And so in a really fascinating way, we're dealing with mammon, which is a spiritual uh, issue. It's a spiritual... And that data problem.
0: had value, Gabriel, that they were able to sell it. <laughs> It is self-advalue. value.
4: They sold our life expectancy. You're right. You know, and so uh, I just wish we had these kind of courses in in school. You know, Uh, the the younger we can get people thinking about these things, you know, the uh, slower the path out of poverty is going to be. But I just wanted to bring that forward that we're talking about weights and measures of capitalism, but it does have spiritual implications, too, to the extent that it even has a a, a demon named after it
1: yeah thanks for sharing that. I mean, i've never gotten into that but just even what you said about education you know i can't tell you how many times i've said if literally everyone in high school was taught or given atlas shrugged and like and nathaniel brandon's work on self-esteem we would have a fucking completely different world mm-hmm. personally you know
0: well, they wouldn't take loans to go to a university that teaches them nothing practical or usable, but brainwashes them.
1: Yeah, that'd be a big piece for sure. You know, And I think there'd be more of a um, focus on entrepreneurship as well, because that's where you have a little bit more of your own, your own um, power.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just even, even think about people's conditioning around money. You know, think about how much programming there is about around rich people. You know, everyone that's rich in every single Hollywood movie you've ever seen is ultimately the bad guy, is the villain. There's so much subconscious program against programming against being wealthy. But ultimately, in a true sense, what does it mean to be wealthy? It means that you value your own life. It means that you value your own productive capacities. That's that that's all it is. Is that something to be ashamed about? Is that something to feel guilty about? Does that mean that you need to give more than A, A, B, C, D, and E that lives down the road? Because you've done more in service of your own life, in service of your own self, okay? Without imposing or restricting anyone else's freedom or right to life or taking from anyone else with any force whatsoever, if it's merely you in the world and you've given your gift and you've found a way to receive value to continually give your gift without imposing or hurting on anyone else, how is there anything inherently wrong with that? Ultimately, it's just a signpost that you value the self, that you value life.
0: Yeah, man, I think that's been a big part of the uh, (laughs) part of the mammon programming is that you're putting the value of evil on (laughs) wealth. But wealth, you know, the thing about wealth, too, is it's actually definitionally not how many pieces of Monopoly money paper you can stack up. Wealth has to do with physical, tangible things like your, you know, the old definition of wealth was like property, children, anything that brings physical prosperity to you. So you can be wealthy without having a bunch of zeros at the end of your bank account. Wealth, doesn't is, hurt. <laughs> you know, no, that doesn't hurt. But I'm just saying like, you know, the ideal, especially in the economic situation like today would be that if you were achieving a lot of monopoly money to turn that into real world prosperity rather than, you know, hope that the, uh, (laughs) the current system that we have is going to continue to work in your favor. But, you know, I want to, I've said this before, but I want to, I'm sure there's somebody out here that could use this, uh, piece of information. But when it comes to like the question of how do I value the gift that I'm offering? whether it is making wire wraps or doing some kind of uh divination services or coaching. And what I want to offer is to get out like part of mammon, in my opinion, is valuing yourself based on dollars per hour. So if you're like reckoning, what you're going to charge for your services based on, you know, this, it feels reasonable to say, X amount per hour, I'm doing two hours of service. <laughs> so like I'm worth $50 an hour. So two hour service, hundred dollars, just as an example, that in my opinion is improper valuation of yourself. Cause you're already putting yourself on the axis of Chronos, which is measured time, which uh, isn't even authentically real. <laughs> and you're, you know, then putting that on dollars per hour. So right. That'll make sense. Uh, sorry about the barking dog. And what i would say what i would offer is whatever the thing is that you are providing whether it's a piece of art or a, a physical service of some kind or anything that the real value you want to give is or ask for is what do i need in order to uh, to stay rooted in my authenticity and flow state full time even when i'm not actively engaging with providing this service so in other words what do i need To fully take care of myself in the best and healthiest way possible, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that when I show up to provide the service, I'm not having to like get my head on straight because I just was having to do something else to provide for myself that stresses me out or puts me in a whole different vibration. You want to what you want to ask for is what you need to stay in the zone all the time. And I think that will be a big part of the being out of poverty consciousness and into self-esteem and self-worth.
2: Hashtag top hopping. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. But there's this levels to it, right? You have to prove what your product is worth. You have to prove that what you're offering is worth what you're, what you're asking for it. In the beginning, you're not going to ask for, you know, a thousand dollars for a reading if, if there's no proof of what you're providing is actually providing that value. Okay. True. That. So in the be- In the beginning, you might have to work for free and just gather testimonials. And as you gather those testimonials, then you can start charging something. And as you have more impact on people's lives, and those testimonials and that proof stacks up, then you can start increasing your prices. And this is what the free market is. Let the market determine the value of what you're offering.
4: That's nice foundations. I really dig that. Yeah, I want to. I want to throw a question out to the chat real quick and see if we can get a date on a a certain shift in the entire system that might be. um, Maybe you guys know, but does anybody know when they changed the phrasing of the pursuit of uh, the ownership of property? It was shifted to the pursuit of happiness, and that happened on a certain at a certain time in the history of this country. And it's very fascinating to me because the pursuit of happiness. Almost becomes like you know, supplemented by the set by altruism in this uh sense of selfless, selflessness in a good Christian community, you can get infinite uh happiness uh with by giving up by uh not seeking uh you know your own your own needs. Do you guys know? Well, no, but I just want to,
1: I don't know uh what you're talking about there, but but I also no. want to comment this idea of a person gaining happiness by giving. Listen, if someone's like, if it's in their rational interest, if their value system is about giving money away and they feel good and it's not coming from a place of like where they feel like they're sacrificing and resentment's being built, then that's fine. Again, each individual needs to understand what what, what their values are. It's when we go against that, when we have resentment, when we're like, I don't want to fucking do that, but I did it. That's when we get into the problem. Like this is the idea people think when when they talk about Ayn Rand that she's this like selfish evil woman and she's not about that. You know her philosophy was about like was about selfishness but rational selfishness, not being a fucking asshole or a dickhead and and and, and wanting to get one over on another person. It's really honoring yourself.
0: Because yeah, and the uh, the programming of altruism leads us to outcomes like this FTX crypto exchange where the guy is taking everybody's money and they're making videos about how he's the most altruistic man in the world and he's giving it all away and then the next thing you know he's fleeing to South America and you find out that all the money was being laundered back to uh political political candidates and bullshit like that.
1: What a surprise. We're so good. We're giving all this money to these far countries, to all these to all these countries. The U.S. is such a such a savior to the rest of the world. And it's like, where's that money going?
3: You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Uh, So there's a question in the vibrant call-in line for you two. Uh, Back to Claire, who had the basically Claire audience. (laughs) That led her to hear about your show. She says, I have multiple passions and I feel I have so much value to offer in so many different ways, but I'm not sure what to pick for a career. Any advice on how I can narrow it down?
1: keep just keep throwing like keep figuring it out like what what, what are you lit up by again this is a, like i'm a student of human design so i'd be like oh i'm curious like what is your human design do you know what it is are you a generator are you manifesting generator if you have lots and lots of passions who knows i would assume you might be an mg but again what are you what are you lit up by currently what are you most lit up by and focused on that and the other thing is too is like sometimes you have to you have to do a job that you just need to do to get your basic needs met. Okay. You can't just live in la la land and be like, Oh my God, this is my dream and I should just be able to do it. You know, sometimes you got to work that job. I mean, I, I did it for years. You know, I grew up in the restaurant business, but I worked in restaurants while I was trying to go after more creative arts or my, my healing endeavors or the things I was doing. But you have to shift your mindset. If you have a great vision and a, and a, and a bigger picture for what you're doing and I, you know, I, I learned this from, uh, Jason Kristoff where he's like, you, you gotta have your dream team. Like you gotta look at the, the current place that you're working at. Even if there's a part of you that isn't fulfilled, be like, how can I reframe that and be like, this is the stepping stone. This place, this thing is getting me ready to make, to take the next step of what I'm doing. Cause if you're just there, be like, well, fuck this shit. I don't like this job. I hate everyone. Like well, you're obviously not going to be productive. The people around you are probably going to think like you're useless. You might even get fired. And so. Again, what's the bigger picture and understanding the step by step process, because, again, you'll build self-esteem through this process, through doing the thing that you have to do, knowing that it's leading you to something else. So I know I went on a tangent, but to Claire, it's like, again, what excites you? What are you fired up about? And you never know one thing might lead to the next thing, which leads to the next thing. And then at some point down the road, you may be doing something that integrates all your passions.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much always how it works. And uh, she commented that she's a manifesting generator, so yeah. you apparently know your shit. <laughs> wow, right?
2: That's some yeah. Claire audience right there.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's Claire audience or just knowing the elements of uh, the human design and yeah. applying it. <laughs> it's Claire audience,
0: as in you knew about Claire in the audience. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. Boom. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I would say to Claire. Honestly, I would be like, "Listen, and if you're doing a thing." and you find out that that lit up by something else, it's okay to pivot. You know, that's one of the things I tell manifesting generators is like, it's okay to pivot to the next thing because you're here to carve your own path. Imagine walking up to this forest with just, it's all trees and you're holding a machete. That's your life. You're just, you're leading the path. You're creating your own pathway. No one can do what you can do. Who knows one day you might integrate three or four of your passions together to create something amazing. Or you might just start with one that leads you to the next thing to the next thing. And then
2: that becomes your thing. Yeah. The most important thing is act, right? In, in, the only way you're ever going to get feedback from your environment is to act. So, you know, t- t- take a step, do something and get that feedback. And then, as Iron Rand would say, let that integrate into your reason for you to, for you to discover what, what it is that you need to, that you need to do next. And I mean, reason is something that's very important in terms of Ayn Rand's philosophy, which we haven't really spoken about yet, too.
0: No, I like that as a subject matter to flow into. There's a quote that I said on your show. I'm going to pull it up. I should have already had it ready, but it'll only take a second. Uh, This will probably be the third time people have heard me say this, but it is so amazingly crucial, (laughs) especially to people that are interested in the type of stuff that you know, gets around in spiritual and occult uh, and truth community type information, how um, easy it is to get off into the weeds of impractical, uh, in, in you know, information or philosophies that you can't actually take anywhere or do anything with. So... This is a Godfrey Higgins quote. Of the sayings of the wise men, there was not one probably more wise than that of the celebrated know thyself. And probably there was not one to, to which so little regard has been paid. It is to the want of attention to this principle that I attribute most of the absurdities with which the wise and learned in all ages may be reproached. Man has forgotten or been ignorant that his faculties are limited. He has failed to mark the line of demarcation beyond which his knowledge could not extend. Instead of applying his mind to objects cognizable by his senses, he has attempted subjects above the reach of the human mind and has lost and bewildered himself in the mazes of metaphysics. He has not known or has not attended to what has been so clearly proved by Locke that no idea can be received except through the medium of the senses. He has endeavored to form ideas without attending to this principle, and might, and as might well be expected, he has run into the greatest of absurdities, the necessary consequence of such imprudence. I will re- read that again someday, <laughs> because that's what we're talking about with, uh, with reason and rationality, in my opinion.
2: Absolutely, man. What he's speaking to there is ultimately, you know, what Ayn Rand called objectivism, which was, you know, the application of one's reason to 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 life to the objective reality that exists despite us so yeah
0: 100% yeah well let's carry forward into this topic i'd love to know more of like your interpretation
1: of of this as uh, and how we can apply it sure well i think you're asking us
2: you you got a pretty good take on reason i reckon
1: well, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times when people think of the word reason, and again, you might look online, there might be certain definitions where it's like, you just think of like some robot, you know, some robot who's like, I'm just dealing with facts and numbers. And and it's more than that. It's all, it's all, it's all the data that we, we, we collect from our senses and we turn into concepts and ideas. And this includes our emotional intelligence. This includes our intuition. This includes all of it. Pretty much it's self-knowledge. Again, it's what we're, what we're gaining to know ourselves on a deeper level that are going support us to make the decisions the most ideal decisions that are either correct for us or incorrect for us
2: yeah and you know to me that includes in your intuitive senses as well you know it's it's integrating all all the data that you perceive from the environment to make a rational decision based on everything that you've received
0: yeah uh we got a great quote Uh, Well, I I assume it's great. (laughs) I haven't read it yet. We're going to read this. This is in the call-in line. This is an Ayn Ayn Rand quote posted by PK. Thanks, dude. A major source of men's earned guilt in regard to philosophy, as well as in regard to their own minds and lives, is failure of introspection. So there's more to this comment or more to this quote she's put here, or he's put here, but um, that's crucial because... The other axis of sacral chakra, you know, I brought up the uh, satisfaction versus frustration axis and how that applies. And that really has to do with our ability to enter into a flow state, but also our self-worth, what we're willing to ask for, effortless effort. (laughs) Uh, But the other side of the, uh, the other side of the sacral chakra, the right side, is on the axis of guilt or pleasure. (laughs) To be able to like take pleasure in life or feel pleasure in your body versus guilt and shame. So, you know, maybe we can continue on this quote uh, or if you guys have already got some um, wisdom about what she has to say about introspection and we could take it from there.
1: Well, I mean, I, I just think, you know, this goes back to what you said about know thyself. Like, how can one know thyself without spending time alone and introspecting and reflecting? And when you think about the world we live in as we've evolved over the decades and the architects of control, they, 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 they out there, there's there's more and more opportunities for individuals to distract themselves from spending time with themselves and introspecting. This is why there is a move to keep to, to keep pushing further and further away from nature. You know, if you think back to all the, some of the brilliant minds from, from, you know, previous, um, centuries, you know, they spent a lot more time in nature. There was more time to introspect. Whereas now we literally have devices at our, at our fingertips 24 seven that, that can often take time away from us spending time with ourselves now i'm not knocking technology 100 because we're here right now we're having this dialogue from different parts of the world interacting with other people different parts of the world and we have our devices in our hands that support us but again do we utilize this stuff uh, for the do we utilize technology to support us or not anyways back to introspection this is the key. Like this is the key where you're, you're interacting with your environment in your relationships and something happens and then you get the opportunity to, to reflect back and go, well, what, what was my behavior in that situation? You know, it's, it's like, You know, Joel and I talk about the whole infinity. It's like, it's like, it's, you're going out into the world and you're coming back. You're going out into the world and coming back. And, and how do you navigate that? And how do you then learn from that and introspect and think and go, Oh man, like that thing I said, I was fucking, that was a shitty thing I said, you know, and can I feel the feelings around the fact that I said something shitty? And then can I, take that in and can I translate that into perhaps changing my behavior later on in the future? So I know I'm saying a lot of different things here, but again, introspection, reflection, thinking about yourself, thinking about your actions, thinking about who you are, thinking about who you want to be, thinking about your dreams, thinking about your goals, thinking about your shortcomings, thinking about all these things that are going to support you to ultimately get closer towards being that person that you want to be and living the life that you want to live where you're happy. And you're satisfied. You're not living in frustration.
0: What you said is crucial, especially at the beginning. Do you take time and think? You know, sometimes I'll be, I'll go on a walk and leave my phone behind, walk the dog and have no stimulus at all. And the feeling of like my mind being able to wander and just take its own path through things. It's like, oh shit. I haven't been doing this enough lately, you know, yeah. cause you can go days, weeks, months on end with stimulation addiction continually from the minute you wake up to the time that you poorly sleep <laughs> and you never even have like a gap where you just have thoughts of your own. You know, I hear my dad say all the time, I can't turn the TV off. I, I it freaks me out when it's quiet, you know, <laughs> I've
2: got this quote here, man. Yeah. By by Rand, man's essential characteristic is his rational faculty. Man's mind is his basic means of survival, his only means of gaining knowledge. In order to sustain his life, every living species has to follow a certain course of action required by its nature. The action required to sustain human life is primarily intellectual. Everything man needs has to be discovered by his mind and produced by his effort. Production is the application of reason to the problem of survival. So, yeah, damn straight, we have to think very, very, very deeply about everything. The application of your mind to the challenge of reality, including knowing the self, is literally the means of your survival, right? This is, this is what we have. We are the ones that have the gift of volitional consciousness. But part of the issue is with that is that we have the choice not to think. We have, we're the only species that has the choice to act against our own survival. We can choose to not know ourselves. Everything else in nature doesn't have that choice. The plant is automatically going to face the sun. It's automatically going to dig deeper for more fertile soil. The animal isn't going to think twice about killing and eating. It's only us that can think about not surviving and act in, term, in against our own survival.
0: So this is a great way to to point out something I, I think I have a better articulation of what I tried to bring up before, which is how like there are forces that hold a lot of material wealth and value in the world, but are able to uh, <laughs> put people into poverty con- or offer poverty consciousness to people. Cause it is an offer. So the way the mechanism of this is through the construct of altruism, because mm-hmm. when the state or when the corporation or what have you is giving the handout. And the dependency is generated that itself brings a, like gives someone an addiction to the, uh, the stimulus, the input and not have to use their own faculties, their own reason, their own (laughs) reflection on their thoughts, feelings and actions to survive. You know, it's just like how a, a plant, you might need to put a fan in your greenhouse so that your plants get some wind. And resistance, they won't grow right without something pushing back.
2: For sure, man. Very, very, very well said. You know, it's, that's, that's what we hear. That's what, like, it, ultimately, what objectivism is, is just how do you best deal with life? How do, you, how do you best navigate reality? And she's saying, hey, there's a law of identity here. A equals A. Reality is a fact. You are a human, you're a human being with the capacity to think in between those two worlds your capacity, your capacity to think and the fact that reality exists how do you best grow and unfold organically how do you best sustain your own life and what we're saying here and we all i guess agree on is that it has to be done through the application of reason through thinking about things what do i want how how can you how can you um uh, how can you honor the self if you don't know the self Right? In order to know the self, you have to think. In order to honor the self, you have to think. What are my wants? What are my needs? What are my desires? What are my goals? How have I been programmed and conditioned to believe those things are separate from me? Or that I should be in contradiction with those parts of myself? Am I thinking about the philosophies I'm actually taking in? Am I thinking about the ideas that I'm actually receiving? Do they serve me? Do they are they in service of my overarching goal for myself and for my life? Or do I just accept something because someone with a hundred thousand followers said it? Or because someone who said something else I agree with said it. So everything that person said must be true. At the end of the day, this life is you and you. You can't rely and you can't outsource any part of that onto someone else. Yes, we can take feedback. Yes, we can take advice. But at the end of the day... The decision has to be yours. And it's only through compounding good decisions for yourself that you're going to build and develop proper, authentic self-esteem. And as you continue to compound those decisions, you can make bigger and better decisions. You can take higher and further leaps. Your capacity to dream becomes enhanced. It becomes activated. You can think greater. You can think bigger. And more importantly, you feel competent to actually achieve those dreams because you've done it on a smaller scale before. So until we can trust our own minds on the deepest levels, and this is done through acting, through acting, through making decisions, through getting the feedback, and that trust becomes reinforced. So in so many things in our lives, man, we've just been programmed to leave consciousness at the door, to leave the mind at the door, to escape the mind, to still the mind, to think about nothing. We can get into, you know, all the ills of, of Eastern mysticism if we want to in that regard as well, to drop the ego, to become a nobody. Um, but we really have to reclaim the mind and bring the mind back into the picture. Freedom and responsibility, they cannot be separated.
3: That was a good, that was a
0: really fire vibrant right there.
4: <laughs> yeah, man. That was awesome. Hail, was hail. Good, Hallelujah. Well, I'll carry us yeah, through the rest it. of
3: this. And honestly, like,
1: That's all good. I'm 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 a little bit of a delay, but it's all good. No worries. Yeah, you go ahead then. I like it. No, I was just I was just gonna say a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, everything we're talking about, self-esteem, you know, the foundational philosophies that you need to to live a life of purpose and potential. I mean, this is what Joel and I are about. You know, this is where these are the conversations that we, we have on the podcast, sometimes with some of our guests, this is the foundation of our eight week group coaching program, you know, where we just want, we want to, 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 to guide fellow truth seekers because the truth people, a lot of times the people in the truth community, they get so sucked into the rabbit holes, but are they happy? Are they fulfilled? Are they doing the things they want to do just because you know what the, what the evil ones are doing? Like, are you happy? You know, are, are you creating, are you being productive? And so that's why we created what we, what we created is like, yo, listen, like, you know, you're on the path, you, you have so you have an awakening, you have an idea of what's happening in the world. But like, what do you really want? Who do you really want to be? You know, can you, what do you want to take your life to the next level? Do you want to shed some of this conditioning and again, like put new out, input in. So then what, what, what is the output of the future going to be for yourself? You know? And, and it's, and again, it's like, it's our passions. And like back to what I was telling Claire is like, like here I am now, there's so many things that I've done leading up to this point. And it, it took a meeting with Joel for us to come together and for a lot of our of the work that we've done individually to be put together in a thing. And this is this is our, our current life's work. And and I love it. And I, I'm passionate about it. And again, this has happened through a process of trial and error and learning and figuring things out. And what? Oh, OK, that doesn't work. That doesn't feel right for me. And that's what we're about. man. That's what we're about. And so we want to just keep getting into the world. So I just want to throw that out there.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. Like to every single person listening, the fact of the matter is, is the highest, most authentic path is available to you. It's possible to you that in a dream, it's tangible. You can make it happen. But it requires work. It requires you to do the legwork, to develop the understanding, to really know yourself on the deepest levels, to know what you want, and most importantly, continually apply your mind and your reason to the pursuit of that goal. I was in a state where I never thought that this would be the life that I would be living. I didn't think that I could wake up every single day and have no separation between who I am and what I do, to not have to fake reality for anyone, to not have to foster inauthentic relationships. But through doing the legwork, through ridding ourselves of all the lies, all the illusions, all the contradictions, and really leaning in on your gift. Like, this is what liberation is to me. Like, we talk about Gnosticism again, but the last thing I want to do is escape reality. I love this life. I love being in my body. I love what I get to do every single day of my life. I want to be here. I'm not interested in what happens after death. This is this is the gift that I have. You know, every single day we get to give our gift. And it's the most amazing feeling that there ever possibly could be. And the greatest value, the greatest asset you have is the self. And self-esteem is, is simply esteeming the self. What, what, what do the quality of all the decisions you've made across a lifetime say about your reputation with you? When you look in the mirror, what is the quality of that reputation? Right? How do you feel about you? Because the quality of that will ultimately determine the quality of every single thing that you do in your life. It's the foundation of every single thing that you do. So get get into a state of health, of well-being, of equilibrium with yourself, and then just compound that. Keep filling that cup, and you got no idea what can turn out.
0: Doing the work. So a big part of what the work is really about is... Getting to know not just who you are at the deep soul level, like, you know, we could talk about what is the self and get into the real deep waters of the spiritual core I amness" and how that <laughs> permeates the entire reality and that the uh, life force energy that animates you is not separate from, but actually the whole universe is that exact life force energy. And that's all very good. But we also need to get into touch with who am I in this incarnation? Who is, who is, what is my ego? Like who am, what is this character? How have I got the settings programmed? Because there is a potential of like, I think a lot of people might hear conversation like this, maybe, or they've heard this type of talk before. And the way that they went to sort of put it into practice was like, well, I'm just going to talk myself up all the time and I'm going to say, I'm great. I'm awesome. You know, I'm this. I'm that these positive attributes. And that's not, there's nothing wrong or bad about that as a strategy. In fact, positive self talk is huge. You know, you want to get to the point where you're, you're, uh, you've programmed your unconscious yep. that it's, that it's your coach <laughs> and it's rather than your unconscious being like, you know, an antagonist living within you. That's huge, but. I find in um, tuning with clients, with almost any client, that when we go back and find some old version of themselves, they're holding on to a story about that version of themselves. Like someone I worked with today, where uh, <laughs> we found the story from a pre- previous part of his life. You know, it was like when he was a teenager, and as many teenage men are want to do, like trying to avoid work, and whenever i brought this up of like there's this stuck energy of like avoidance escapism trying to get away from like not wanting to have to bring order to the chaos of your environment and uh <laughs> then he immediately like with almost without thinking he replied back like yeah i'm i'm i've always been like primarily very lazy and try to avoid work and just play to my strengths and i was like there that's it there it is you just said it <laughs> you know and that's why some body work to help you get in touch with your emotions or something like tuning to help you find layers of past versions of yourself is so crucial. Because no matter what you do in the current present moment with your positive self-talk, if you don't even realize that you're carrying around the belief of I'm lazy, you know, that's having a big effect on uh, how your entire external reality experience is going to go. And so we... Like it helps to get in touch with every step of your journey, as that's like what integration is about. Is that you're, you know, there's no part of yourself or your journey to where you got to how you got to where you're at that you're regretting or that you're holding on to a, a limiting belief from, and instead you're seeing the entire spectrum of your being and every step along the way with acceptance, uh love, and appreciation in an authentic way that is undoing any beliefs that you had about yourself that were um, unnecessary or maybe even put on you by others that you internalized. So it's like a set finding, it's like you get in a camera and you're like getting into the settings the first time you use it and you don't know what any of the settings are. And then years later you get into the menu and you're like, Oh, I can't believe that I had this setting to that. That doesn't work at all. Now that I know how to use the camera, I can't believe that I totally just left it like that. It's been messing up my photos the whole time. The, uh, the beliefs about who you used to be are just like that, that you need to go back and find all, all the settings you've ever applied and make sure that they're the ones that you authentically want now. Hmm.
1: Yeah, man. And, you know, a big part of, I think what you're talking about is, is this concept that I think gets overused and, and everyone throws it out there is, is shadow work, you know, is like integrating the lost aspects of yourself, repressed aspects of yourself. And I, and, and, and shadow work, in my opinion, can't be done without doing somatic work, you know, like you have to utilize, you have to, you have to go into the body, you know, you, you have to go into the unconscious. And that's when a lot of this stuff will bubble up to the surface. And you'll have these aha moments and you'll have these realizations uh, about things that maybe happened in the past where you can then integrate them into who you are and move forward in life. And what, you know, one of the, one of the, the, the great pillars of, of, of self-esteem is the, is a practice of self-acceptance. Can you accept yourself? Can you accept the things that you've done, the things that, that have come before you, the, the things from your past and not just end there, you know? You know, you can still have like you can accept yourself without being like, oh, OK, I'm not going to do anything about it. accept it and then go, OK, well, now what do I need to do to get to the next iteration of who I want to be, you know, based on what I want, based on my value system? And the subject that we haven't even talked about is values you know what are, what does a person value because th- their decisions that they make every single day are going to ba- be based upon those values and a lot of people are delusional on what their values are they have this idea of what their values are but if you were to go to their home if you were to observe them living their life You'd be like, well, these aren't your values because look at how you're living. So each person needs to get really clear on the things that they value because that's also going to impact their choices and how they move
3: forward and what they do. Let's kick it over to you, Gabriel. I see things, I see gears turning in the head over there.
4: Well, now I'm loving the. uh... Kind of the challenge of that phrase, you know, play to your strengths. Uh, you know, maybe th- we could tweak these maxims, you know, improve them, layer them, and, uh, you know, restructure them. You know, maybe it's like, honor your strengths by pursuing your weaknesses, you know, or honor your strength by tackling your fears. You know, it's not mm. so much, you know, find what you're good at and go to what's comfortable. You know, that's, you know, that's the stagnation mentality. I like this. I really like where we're taking this. It's not about uh, just settling for what you've got. It's about knowing what you want, you know, knowing what's, what it's worth for you to go after and get it. I really love that. Uh, for the sure.
3: we'll-
2: go ahead. For sure, man. And like, you know, those, those fears, you know, the shadow that holds gifts, that holds pent up life force, that holds potential. I mean, Soren Kierkegaard created an entire philosophy, claiming that you know, instead of following our bliss, we should be following our anxiety. That anxiety is, in fact, the pathway to our highest calling. Right? What? Are, where? Where are those barriers? What? Where do we fear going? What threshold do we fear crossing? And they are actually the most, the strongest signals that we have to our authentic life path. So, because those fears obviously are intrinsically linked to our shadow, to the thing that you know is is, is tied up there, where we're afraid to go. So by pushing those barriers, we make ourselves far more appropriate to be in the world as well.
0: Yeah, I love that, man. And one thing that's been revealing itself to me in a more clear philosophy is about that very thing that you brought up with Kierkegaard and going into the anxiety rather than avoidance, because uh, like the voice is an example of this, that if you have a if you have trouble with your voice, like it's shaky or like I do this with tuning forks as an exercise, if I'm feeling out of whack, I will let my voice release a sound without trying to control it and just listen to it and hear where there's wobble, shakiness, weakness. And rather than like what a lot of what most people might be, you know, trained to do when they hear dissonance, they just quiet <laughs> they just shut up or whatever or when they feel resistance they stop pushing or when they see an obstacle they try to go the other way uh or when they feel sim- when they get symptoms they mask them right mm-hmm. it ter- it, like i've i have found that all, in all forms that it comes uh dissonance is not evil it is not to be avoided it's actually there to lead you to harmony that if you go through the dissonance and you allow it and witness the dissonance, then harmony is the result. But if you feel the dissonance in whatever form—symptomatic, vocal, what have you—and you immediately lock up and freeze or turn and go the other way, what have you, then you never find the harmony that that dissonance is actually trying to lead you to by going through it, allowing it to shift and change. Like it's exactly the lesson came to me through music that every time in music you get a progression uh, in a scale where it's like building tension. There's like, you know, improper music, I should say, (laughs) a lot of modern music doesn't uh, do this and makes people maybe a little crazy, but eventually, you know, that, that tension resolves. If you keep going through the scale, you get, you hit the octave. Right. And I think that
2: applies to everything. Yeah, man. Sure. I mean, I think Emerson said, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but do the thing you fear, Um, and you know ultimately the fear will dissipate, right? So it's, it's the same thing. Go the go to that place.
1: Yeah, and even when you think about things
2: from a somatic standpoint, when you think about
1: addiction, when you think about the the self soothing behaviors that we turn to, you know, a lot of this conversation is on self knowledge, you know, and it's like knowing your body, being in tune with the sensations, like. What's that thing that's going on in your body, that angst that's leading someone to like, oh, I got to fucking, I got to reach for the alcohol or I got to sit at my desk and turn on some porn and whip out my dick and start jerking off, you know, all this shit, whatever the thing is that a person is like, like there's something going on in your body. You go for that habitual act that self-soothes you. Now, again, if it's unhabitual, you do things once in a while, that's, you figure, you you have to figure out for yourself. But if there's something that you're doing over and over again and you're not allowing yourself to to, to know that to feel that sensation, to stay with the discomfort, because a lot of times you're 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 just trying to drown that discomfort away with the thing, with the substance, with the activity. And so, again, can you have that presence and that stillness to sit with the dissonance like you said, Chance, you know, to sit with it and like see what happens and feel the sensations and 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 track where it is in your body? And then maybe it moves, and maybe it goes somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh wow, I don't want to do the thing that I wanted to do beforehand." And then this, you know, this takes intentionality.
0: I like this yeah. comment from Cody of honor yourself with self proximity, <laughs> <That's
3: laughs> and crazy. so
0: that you can honor others by your coherence. Even that word invokes reality. Coherence, we together hear the same thing you know like that that's a major phrase harmony through dissonance progression Like your comment there cody you always got good stuff
4: yeah buddy you know you know it's funny while you were talking uh i was being having a, you mentioned self-soothing and i realized like here i am stroking my own beard you know what i mean and like what is really funny about this is just last week we were talking about um in the solabuska deck, the stroking of the beard is symbolic of masturbation. Wow. and And then you said, I might turn on some porn and just do masturbation. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really wild. And so, uh, but all of that, uh, also I've been, uh, I just finished doing like a quick run through on um, the Inead, uh, the story of the Inead in uh, the Odyssey and, uh, you know, uh, we're kind of just perusing back over these myths, And there's the part where um, he is his ship is going past the harpies and the harpies are trying to seduce him, but he knows that that's their trick. And so he has all of his shipmates put wax in their ears and then he makes them tie him to the mast of the ship so he can be the only dude who survives the Song of the Harpies without giving in to them. And then as the ship leaves... He didn't know this. He wasn't told this part of the myth, but the harpies will actually self-destruct if they don't get what they want. And they start maiming themselves because uh. he managed he managed to, you know, get through their song and their temptation over. Uh, and um, but what is fascinating is I'm uh, actually dude,
0: that applies to that really applies to uh, a lot of victim consciousness people that if you don't give into them, they're just like screaming and
4: tearing their eyes out. Isn't it gratifying? It's so gratifying to think of uh, the, these stories are and he's ancient tied to the masturbation. It's the masturbation. You got it, man, you got it. So um, so what is amazing is I'm tracking this mythology on the sky clock. and fellas, guess what? We're in November. In the story, we're going through the month of November when there's no FAP November, and there's uh, "Grow your beard" in November. So symbolically, symbolically, we still adhere to that fasting and withholding, with straining through this time of year. And, you know, we even grow our beard longer so we can self-soothe in a different way. You know, it's like we, instead of going down with our self-soothing, we lift up to a higher, more sophisticated form of self-soothing in November.
1: It's so interesting you say that because uh, there was a period of time where I would let my facial hair grow out more and I loved, I, I really enjoyed it. But when I, when I'm more clean shaven, I don't do it, obviously, because it's it doesn't have the same texture. It doesn't have the same feel. That'd be an interesting study. If men with beards masturbate less.
4: <laughs> I, love that. I love that. Chance, are you trying to find out what's in November? That oh might yeah. Be I master- was
0: looking at my plaintiff's you know, I was just like, what's in proximity to old Sagittarius here. Look, if if it's in one's rational self interest to self soothe. Sagittarius is right next to the scutum. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, same word as scrotum.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and quickly, I want to mention too, this isn't about like, oh, you did a bad thing. Like, we're human. You know, our nervous system is our nervous system as individuals. You know, we're going to regulate however we need to regulate. And for some people, they don't they they don't have the knowledge or the tools or the regulation, and so they have to turn to the thing, to the habitual thing, until again they come to a place of acceptance and they realize where they're at, and maybe they want something different. For some people, that might not be there. That might not be there. I saw that comment come in. I masturbated all the time. Um, no, he said master beard all the time. Oh, master beard, master, master beard okay. all master the time. I saw it like peripherally as I was talking. Uh,
2: I don't so know yeah. how this conversation started with Iron Rain potentially having a dick, and now we ended up
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, this Iron is the sign ruled by Jupiter. He's all,
0: you know, he thinks with his, he thinks with that particular member.
1: Um, but yeah, yeah, you and finished anyways, that
0: thought, your Asmus.
1: Well, I'm just saying, anyways. It just again, it comes down to you know what are you okay with and what do you want, and are your habit, are your habits um, keeping you from being who you want to be. You know, and you have to get real with yourself ultimately, you know, like if everything else that you want, you know, a more successful career or a certain kind of partner or whatever. Um, sorry, I got to read this it says, that's, yeah, there you go. I like Perfect. it. Perfect. Definitely.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty strong
1: perspective. <laughs> you, you just have to get, you just have to be real with yourself. That's it. I mean, so much of what we're talking about is, is honoring reality externally and internally.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, we're talking about aestheticism here a little bit as well, right? And like, what's where, where, where's that really leading you? What, what what kind of relationship to self is that leading you to? You know, this whole idea that we need to, we need to denigrate the self, we need to be completely celibate, we need to fast for a hundred days, we need to you know do all these things just to prove that we're spiritual beings. It's actually in complete antithesis um, to what we're talking about too. On some level, obviously, these things can and often are used as escape mechanisms. Um, but there's no need to negate yourself, um, from pleasure simply because you think that's going to make you high moral or worthy. No, and and that's
1: not what I'm talking about at all. I'm I'm talking about what, like, what are you doing habitually? Like if you're getting high every single day, if you're drinking every day, if you're masturbating every single day, if you're on your phone hours a day, if you're Netflixing it for 10 hours a day, every day, you know, you might want to take a look at that.
3: Yeah. Right. I keep thinking. Key. I know this isn't.
1: The angel winks, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I would say yes to that, but I would also say that uh, pornography has uh, some deep spiritual oh. ramifications. Sure. You know? Totally. And I'm uh, just saying that
1: occasional wank I wasn't saying along with pornography. But yeah
0: you're, you're not less of a man if you uh, release your essence <laughs> but yeah. you know like if you've never if you've never practiced the retention thing and you never then you never know if there's going to be a difference for that or not right like really? that's part yeah. of knowing yourself as well at least as a man.
1: Dude you hit the nail on the head right there because there's so many people who comment. Nail on the, the head. head? Sorry. Yeah you hit the nail on the <laughs> head yeah
4: there's I'm so I'm many I'm people red that,
1: um like comment on a thing, but they haven't done the thing. So for instance, you know, I made the choice nine years ago to live a sober life, you know, not because I had an issue, but I decided to go off all alcohol, all caffeine, um, all substances personally. And so there are people who go with what well, I drink my coffee all the time. It's like, well, have you ever experienced six days, of two months, three months without coffee? You to even know what that's like, so then you can be able to see both sides to make a decision. If you then choose to go back to coffee or whatever, that's fine. But unless you've had the experience, then you only you have an incomplete view of the thing that we're talking about. And so I think that's why these experience like experimenting with yourself a lot of the times isn't just so you can be like, oh, I'm high and moral. It's just so you can have a, a different frame of view to go. Well, how do I feel? What's the experience of being me like when I? take out X, take out Y, stop doing this, stop doing that. And it's more for experience and to, to to get a different idea and reflection on who you are.
2: Yeah. yeah. And it, to, to, to circle this back, this is what reason is, right? It's taking in that information, having that experience and then making a decision based on the conscious choice to know reality, to know both sides, to have awareness of all of it in the, in the same token, if you haven't read Ayn Rand, don't fucking comment on on Rand.
4: <laughs> you know, I, I
2: keep thinking the. Exactly,
0: uh, let me put in a little bit more info on the, you know, aesthetic asceticism <laughs> versus hedonism conversation here. Uh, our friend Eileen McCusick, she has a really great philosophy on this. So, as a true Libran that she is, the moderate hedonism. As a philosophy, which I really like. And basically to put it in a simplified nutshell, it's about being able to actually accurately assess where you are on the pleasure to pain threshold, because pretty much everything that gives pleasure in the wrong amount can bring about pain. Right. And so rather than denying yourself all pleasure because of the risk that you're going to cause yourself pain through that behavior and I'm not, this isn't a comment on you. You're asked most if you don't want to drink coffee, that's cool. Like, you know, if that's more pleasurable then you, sh- then that's, you're doing this right. You know, but the point being that like this, this very idea also applies to the, uh, the solar, the sacral chakra as well on that axis of, so the sacral governs also feeling pleasure in our body of any kind, not just sexual pleasure, but also it has that, uh, Polarity of satisfaction and you know frustration, and so I think that we actually can risk putting ourselves into the realm of frustration with uh, you know if we aren 't able to <laughs> know ourselves well enough to operate on on that spectrum in responsibility between the pleasure to pain threshold of whatever the behavior is, you know if we 're so lacking in personal will, uh, which is self-esteem and, and personal will go hand in hand up in the solar plexus, and there's a lot of overlap, then uh, we be, we then miss out on a lot of what's good in life. And, you know, in a way, it's like a, it's an alternate version of poverty consciousness. Like, you know, someone in a comment earlier yeah. that I ended up kicking from the chat entirely <laughs> because it was too much uh, was like, you know, what about Buddhist monks? And I'm thinking, you know, what about that? Like in the ancient world, a lot of the monasteries and the monks were some of the most reviled and hated, uh, people in the world, people in the realm because they were so like, uh, animalistic, superstitious, uh, leeching off society, providing nothing to others, but taking everything, um, you know, because of their position in the, uh, ecclesiastical, Hierarchy. And I'm not saying all monks or all spiritual people or all ascetic people are like this, but my point is that whenever you like go far into this self deprivation, uh, and you call it virtue, you're basically denying a bunch of what life is about. Because in my opinion, you know, it's, <laughs> it's part of the spectrum of reality to be able to enjoy. And to have satisfaction and pleasure and to deny that entirely out of some uh, skewed sense of nobility is in itself a path that can lead to actually some pretty depraved and evil behavior.
2: Oh, yeah. Repression has huge, huge consequences and often they're very vile and they're very heinous. And these people who claim to be holy because they do nothing, say nothing, fuck nothing, whatever it might be, deep down, they're riddled with the the most vile demons that you can imagine in my experience. And like we said before,
1: standing between the tension of the opposite, okay? part of me that wants to experience pleasure in a certain way. There's another part of me, you perhaps wants to abstain from something. Again, this comes back to your, this comes back to knowing yourself, et cetera. I'm not for oppression. I'm into knowing yourself. I'm into loving yourself. I'm into making the decisions that are going to guide you closer to you and having the life, you, want, you know? So, yeah, I, I totally, I agree with what you're saying. And, um, I'm definitely not into asceticism and abstaining a hundred percent from everything, you know? And yeah like, like do,
0: uh, time, maybe some experimentation with um fasting and things like that are times where you know that you want it like last last Wednesday on Vibra, and I think I mentioned like i uh, I'm due for a fast, and the next day I didn't eat the whole day and night, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that felt right to do. My body asked for that, so that's part of knowing yourself too. sometimes that's what it wants it's not but it's not out of some like moralizing that it makes you the special boy to uh yeah. deny thyself. But it's that was about what's so authentically good for you.
2: We've circled all the way back to rational self-interest, you know, which is ultimately what Ayn Rand was trying to teach us. You know, you made those decisions because they were pleasurable for you. If your fasting sits in your self-interest, fine. If you're doing it out of sacrifice because you believe it's going to somehow make you more spiritual, then obviously there's a problem there. But I really like how we've got ultimately contextualized, I guess, what Ayn Rand was trying to, to teach
4: through this that's, language. That's right. Sometimes you just got to eat that fucking cucumber in the park and fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken Absolutely from experience great. there, Gabriel, Are you uh, stealing cucumbers from the community. No, I the think we got to I think we got a story about somebody's legal case with the cucumber in the park.
2: No, it was me, man. I got, I, I got the public health order fine for eating a cucumber in the park back the in police. 2021. Yeah. That's yeah can we talk
0: about how self-esteem, uh, you know, applied in your court in your court appearances with all that, because I, I read an article on the internet about somebody named Joel Rafiti, who was a very naughty boy. And uh, they talked about how all the ways that you broke the rules
2: and got away yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a vilified, dangerous criminal here on the you know, <laughs> the, the, the South coast of Sydney, the fortress, Australia. Yeah, bro. Like it's was, it's it was quite an experience, man. Like as you know, people quickly quickly forget how deeply intense that period was. Twenty 2020, twenty, twenty twenty one. I copped you know three or four separate public health order fines. One for attending a protest. One for eating a cucumber in the park during a curfew where I'm only meant to be exercising if I'm outdoors. If I'm sitting down, done. Not put me in cuffs. I did almost get arrested for that incident, mind you. And so, yeah, you receive these fines. The police harassed us, you know, three, four times at our house. My wife, at the, at this in, during this incident in the park, you know, was with our kids. One of them was a newborn at the time. It was just completely ridiculous, man. Um, so, yeah, there's no way I was ever going to cop that lying down. And self-esteem played a huge role in me ultimately standing up and navigating, navigating all of that. Because what self-esteem tells you is that to have self-esteem, you have to have self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is the willingness and the ability to learn what you need to learn to deal with the challenges of life. So if I don't know the answers, how can I go discover the answers? So I had a bunch of all the conversations I need to had. I explored the whole legal realm from every single side of the equation, from the traditional side to the common law side, trying to discern what's what's truth from what's fiction, to what's actually reality, to what's just you know bullshit. I'm not going to go in there and claim I'm a living man. How dare you charge me, etc., etc., etc. Um, so ultimately I found myself using my discernment, my reason, my rationality, and I found the right answers and I prepared an appropriate defense for myself. And, you know, we went in there and I'm, I'm three and oh against New South Wales police, um, on, on their terms according to the law. So yeah, man, that felt incredible to actually go through that process and to experience times where it's like, you know, am I going to fucking pay $5,000 for eating a cucumber? And then being like, "No, am I going to pay a lawyer five thousand dollars to defend me for eating a cucumber?" Being like, "No, all right, so my option is that I've got to do this myself. I got to learn what I got to learn." And yeah, man, it was it was a it was a very 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 rewarding experience. That's for sure. What I liked best
0: about the article that I read about you was how the whoever wrote it, the AI that wrote the article, was very mortified that your. that your defense was some, they claimed that your defense was something along the lines of, if they don't come and hand me the notice that I'm not allowed to be outside in person with my name on it, then it doesn't yep. apply to me. And yep. the article is basically like, how dare he say it doesn't apply to him? The rules apply to all of us. And then, you know, at the end, they quietly finished with like, and he walked out scot-free.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> And that's, that's that's what the law here in New South Wales says, man. It says every single public health order notice has to be handed to the individual, has to have their name on it. It has to be authorized by a medical officer. None of this has taken place. So there's all these people with all these public health order fines, you know, that really are completely invalid from the get-go. Thanks, PK.
0: Read Ayn Rand, <laughs> and you can eat any cucumber in any fucking park you want to. Respect.
4: <laughs> big respect. Yeah. Big respect.
0: yeah man i'm i'm uh, i'm so thrilled to hear about exactly what you just said and to give me a new vocabulary term
2: self-efficacy that's awesome Mm.
4: yeah that is that's beautiful
2: thank you boys it's 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 an important aspect of it but like like i keep saying do you feel competent do you feel capable of dealing with the challenges of life life is going to throw you challenges And if you're on unstable ground, which ultimately is low self-esteem, then you're constantly going to be with a rattled nervous system. You're constantly going to be experiencing frustration, right? But if you feel competent to navigate reality, regardless of what's being thrown at you, because you understand you have the ability to learn, you have the ability to fill your own cup, you have the ability to be conscious, to choose to know reality, not avoid reality, lean into reality. I want to know the facts. I want to know the truth because only by then can I have a clear enough picture to make the most rational decision possible in my self-interest, according to my values and my goals. And this is this is how we rise. This is what it means. Rise above the
3: herd,
0: y'all. Mm. Well, that's, that's a good point to talk about your rise above the herd. What, what are you guys doing with that?
2: Yeah, man, Rise Above the Herd is is the is our course, which we created off the back of the podcast. And basically we realized that our audience wanted to go deeper. So Rise Above the Herd is ultimately our way of handing the power back to truth seekers. How can you live how can you live authentically and free with deep purpose, deep meaning, and really use the gift of freedom without compromising your values? Cause this is ultimately for people who are awakening and recognizing the system no longer shares their values, but how can they get on with their real life path regardless? And the answer to us is very easy. It's deconditioned from the bullshit being collectivism, altruism, self-sabotage, new age spirituality. And we fill you with the good shit being individualism, selfhood, self-esteem and heroism. Um, so this is our fourth run. Um, there's currently three spots left for the final run. If anyone listening is interested, they can head to riseabovetheherd.co. And yeah, man, it's, it's, it's an incredible container and it's really a culmination of the path that we've walked ourselves.
4: Has anybody pointed out what the acronym there is? Wrath. Is that that part of the program? (laughs) It's actually actually incredibly beautiful. Uh, Wrath is on the Enneagram. It's a number one. It's the shadow of the perfectionist. I don't know. If you guys didn't plan this, I got to tell you, it's really perfect. Uh, So the shadow of the perfectionist. Go ahead, go no, you ahead, go. go ahead. You go. No, you <laughs> finish. You finish. <laughs> yeah, you finish. Yeah, I think. You that, yeah, this is this is a really healthy uh, a lesson, and it is that you know anger and wrath is just the shadow of a person who is demanding something better, who is striving for perfection, and uh, in this day and age, a lot of people are uh, confusing wrath for hate. And a lot of people don't have the emotional intelligence to know the difference. When they see somebody who is angry, who has taken a stand, who is fighting for what they feel is right or what could be better and what needs to be improved. A lot of people are trying to twist that into hate. And that's a, and that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good fight. That's a good fight to be, uh, to be uh, living for. So yeah, what the shadow of your acronym is perfection. And it seems like that is something that you guys, uh, are kind of building towards, which is kind of neat.
2: Hmm. That's amazing, man. I really, really appreciate well, you pointing that out. Well, and- for action, yeah. We thanks, man. That was really cool. <laughs> awesome. could, you're you're pretty cut out. On, yeah, that's alright. But uh-huh. I'll, like, I I'll mean, yeah, talk about wrath. Like, fucking right, you should be angry because you've been conditioned with the most vile, heinous shit you can possibly imagine. So you spend a lifetime acting against yourself. You spend a lifetime in contradiction. You spend a lifetime acting against your higher visions, your higher dreams, your higher goals. But most people, you know, they don't really tap into the anger and do anything about it. They just succumb um, to to the mediocrity of the system. And to me, you know, mediocrity is basically death. Mediocrity is stagnancy. Nothing in nature works to be stagnant. Nothing in nature works to be mediocre. Everything ultimately is growing and evolving in consciousness. You know, the tree is growing higher. Everything wants to evolve and move in strength in survival. Everything wants to thrive. Um, And we've been taught that we should be nothing. We've been taught that we should become nobody, that we should diminish ourselves. And that's what makes us good, high, moral, worthy, cue altruism. And yeah, I think we should be angry about that. So I like the acronym.
0: Yeah. And I'll add to it that anger, when... You push it off to the side and don't allow yourself to feel it. And I mean, like literally, if you push it off to the side, this is where it goes, (laughs) because it is at the level of your chest and your solar plexus, which governs your ability to have authentic self-esteem. And it's where it's the container for your self-esteem. You you said the word container, and I think that's such an important thing for the uh, entrepreneur to understand that if you want support for what you're doing, or if you want something that you wish to create in the world to grow, there has, there has to be a container for it, a vessel yeah. for it. Yeah. You made the container rise above the herd.co. <laughs> you know, you've made many containers uh, here for the truth podcast. All that is very real. But if you're like one of these people that I, I see this all the time in the biofield um, the story of, I don't get angry. Angry people are, are bad people and I'm a good person. So I don't get angry Well, you've just that self-belief compromises you in your faculty to exert your will, <laughs> you know, to actually to feel authentic self-esteem and many other aspects that the of power versus powerlessness that go on in the solar plexus. And so if you're not allowed to feel anger, you don't allow yourself to. That's a huge self-sabotage. It's not about always being angry or being stuck in it. But, yeah. you know, and then uh, just a level up in the heart chakra, if you can't express anger, you know, that that emotion actually goes up. Through, Like it overlaps from solar plexus all the way up to throat and all like, so all of these centers can be weak. Your ability to speak up and actually be heard your your ability to, uh, you know, not be walked all over and trampled, which is actually more of a heart chakra thing. All of these things that, you know, your ability to, to uh, not become a, not be in victim consciousness all has to do with the also, whether or not you can feel and express anger and you should be able to. And on the thing is, if you're able to, you'll find that you're not very often angry. Like it'll yeah. be like that, boom, you're like that thing was, that's retarded. And you'll say it, you'll express it. And then you move on with your life, <laughs> but you'll be always in this feeling of frustration. If you have no self-esteem, which is, you know, often very reflected by someone who, has the belief about themselves that they aren't angry, they don't get angry. Those are usually the angriest people (laughs) in a, and they just don't know themselves.
2: Yeah, of course, man, you have to, you have to have access to it. If you don't have access to it, it's going to, obviously it's going to leach out and manifest in the toxic ways that it does. But to that individual that's actually self-assertive can, can speak and to, can speak to their boundaries appropriately. Then it's said and it's done, you know? Dylan says people don't have respect
0: anymore because the surveillance system has mitigated the ass whoopings that ought to be occurring regularly. So now people can disrespect without consequences.
5: Yeah.
0: Now, there's something to that.
1: Yeah, so true. Isn't there so like a, with the, a Mike Tyson or something like about well, getting punched in the face, but maybe, maybe it, maybe yeah, it doesn't have... relate, but it's like more people need to like,
4: some people need to get punched in the face you know? Like they just, yeah. Yep, yeah, we we are definitely in debt oh, when it comes to how many people need to punch to the face. So yeah. I got a question: with the wrath program, is Ayn Rand uh, part of the? You know, is there like a reading, or is it recommended reading, or is she incorporated into
2: the wrath uh, oh, a- a- program? Absolutely, man. We we stand on the shoulders of giants, and Ayn Rand is certainly one of them. And her philosophies are to to, to us that they're really the antidote for what we're experiencing as a collective right now. Um, So yeah, definitely, man. We, we, we lean in on what she teaches. We obviously translate it and let it come through in our own, in our own language. Um, But we point people to these masters, which have been forgotten about. They have written the They have given us the answers. You know what I mean? So it's, it's an integration of Rand's involved, Brandon's involved, Jung's involved. Um, We lean in on a lot of heroism. Stephen Pressfield. It's an, it's an awesome culmination of what I think are uh, the things which really will help an individual navigate reality and uh, live, live that authentic life, have that liberated feeling of being who they were. Human design is a huge component of the program as well. All these things which really highlight a person's individuality, um, You know, becoming, becoming who you were born to be. That's our ethos at the end of the day. And we want that for everyone. Wonderful, well guys. Said, brother. So,
0: yeah, high fives all around. <laughs> uh, so outside of here for the truth podcast, which you should, you know, plug as well, if there's anything else you want to say about that, it's a great show. I have got awesome feedback from my last appearance on there and uh, people were excited about you guys coming on to the vibrant tonight. But other than that. You know what? And, and the coaching and the Rise Above the Herd, what other offerings are like, you know, Joel, I know you have like a Spotify page and everything. Uh, can you guys give your plugs? We'll start with Joel.
2: Sure, man. Um, he for the Truth is definitely the foundation of everything that we offer at this point in time. Um, that's the podcast that started everything for us. As we mentioned, Rise Above the Herd is the signature program, but we do also have a membership community called Friends of the Truth. And this is a much lower cost entry point for anyone that's keen and willing. And basically, you go to hang out with awesome like-minded community. You get private calls with different guest experts. Um, we just had Doctor Melissa Sell on. We've got Jason Christoph on next month. We've had David Whitehead in the past. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's a not really awesome place to connect with like-minded community. You get live teachings and meet you know meet awesome individuals. As you mentioned, man, yeah, bro, I still got music out there. Um you can search a Joel Raffiti on Spotify, on Apple Music, um wherever you get your music. I haven't released anything this year, um, but there's definitely wheels in motion now, and I think I'll be coming out with something soon.
0: Awesome. I'll play I'll play one of your YouTube videos at the uh, end here. That'll oh. be fun. But you know, if that's okay. We'll see. <laughs> uh so how about you, your what, what else can people do to connect with you and your work?
1: Uh, well, listen, Joel, Joel said, uh, he talked about friends of the truth, you know, here for the truth, where it's at, you know, go subscribe to the website. Um, yes. I mean, that, that's our, that's our trinity right there, you know, here for the truth, rise above the herd and friends of the truth. And uh, if anyone wants to connect with me on Instagram, I'm at underscore Erosimos, like my name spelled here, Y E R A S I M O S. I love people dropping in on the DM saying what's up and just saying hi. I like connecting with people from all over the world. So, that's pretty much it, but yeah, listen to the podcast. You know, subscribe, respond to our emails when we send them out. Like, I just want to hear from people. Like, I, I love yeah. seeing what people are up to. Yeah, and it's if you're, been a
3: really great episode,
1: guys. You know, oh, real. Quick, that and mean? if you're in California, Topanga Canyon, you know, say what's up.
0: Yeah, I hear you do uh, some events out in, in real life, in person.
1: Yeah, we were, we were doing, we were doing, uh, my wife and I were having like underground freedom parties during the whole scam, um, bringing people together. A lot of people were feeling alone out here during, um, during the whole situation. Uh, I mean, I was leading monthly men's ret- uh, monthly daily men's retreat where I was doing a lot of the body work that I had done in the past. It's not really my focus now. Uh, I do have people come in. I have people come in for three day and five day intensives where they get AM and PM intense body work sessions with the, the work that I do uh coaching, human design, et cetera. So if people are looking for something like that, then um in person and deep work, great. But honestly we have we have um we start for round four of Rise Above the Herd next week. Um this is our last week uh where we're taking calls. If you're interested just go to rise above the herd co. You can fill out a, a quick application and jump on a call with Joel and we can see if it's a right fit to work together. And uh, we love this. We love what this is. And um, we're excited. And, you know, we're coming on the end of the year. So if you if you have those ideas of where you want to go in 2023 and you just need a little kick in the butt, um, you know, come join the fun.
2: Come get some wrath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah give that's what's
4: of up. Wrath. Get perfected, y'all. Get perfected. That's yeah. sweet.
0: So, Gabriel, what's new in your world, man?
4: Uh. I got a few things coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I did a couple guest spots over with one-on-one uh, on the one-on-one podcast. Uh, we did a, a very fun breakdown with a, a Greek specialist. She's a PhD in Greek mythology, uh, Carla, Carla Ionesco. And she has a nice. book. I'm going to go ahead and pimp her book while I'm at it because uh, – it it's, uh, seems to be more and more symbolically significant uh, in, with modern modern information. Uh, it's called uh, She Who Hunts, and it's a very uh, quick, maybe hundred page read on Artemis in the mythology of Artemis, and so very appropriate for Sagittarius season. Uh, but we did a show uh, relating the Enneagram and Greek mythology. And these gods of the ancient world and how they are still alive and well in our human psychology and maybe even on the world stage. Uh, pretty interesting little back and forth with her and I. Um, and then also we did a show with Mario with the chariot card. Look for that on one on one. And then you'll probably see me on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy with Mark Steves. We had some, uh, we had some real fun over there. So that's coming out. And also, I'm gonna pimp Occultus Mundi. Everybody should get a copy of Occultus Mundi, uh, over on the One on One show. It's a little uh, occult pamphlet that we're circulating, and uh, you'll see some of my works in there. Uh, coming up in the next few months.
0: Uh, one of these any day now, I'm gonna write an article for it. <laughs> and me and you, dude, we got to do an Enneagram show soon. We're we're gonna talk about that uh, probably tonight. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you keep blowing my mind with Enneagram stuff. It's awesome. Uh, you're the man, Slick Dissident on YouTube. Uh, here for the Truth Podcast, everywhere podcasts are served. We're going to, uh, let's see, to announce next week's Vibrant, we're going to have Mario return, and we're going to talk Solar Busca Tarot. And I've invited Dylan to join, Dylan Sacocio, and he said, yep. So we're going to be digging into that good Solar Busca beard stroking master beard gravy. <laughs> So, yeah, all that and more. Have a great Thanksgiving for uh, my American friends and enjoy this. Joel Raffiti didn't want to be right. You can find it on his YouTube channel of the same name, this video. And other than that, good night,
2: everyone. Thanks for for having us, man. I really honor you, your pastor, everything (laughs) you're built towards. It's fucking awesome, dude.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I agree, man. Much respect. And uh, Gabriel, really great to connect, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely.
4: Yeah, it's an honor to meet you, fellas. Can't wait for more. Cool. Thank you, brother. Likewise.
0: See you all next time.
5: I look around and I see them in a daze. Yeah. I see people be wishing for better days. I see blame. I see envy. I see guilt and pain. I see fear in their eyes and aversion to change. They've lived their whole life scared. Yeah. Looking for another savior. They're discernment impaired. Too afraid of shadows. They keep their eyes to the glare. But the light's not what it seems. by everywhere. They gave a their power to assist system on hope and prayer. Now, Babylon is fallen, so pull the proverbial chair. Nobody's there behind the curtain. Nobody gonna save you. It's time to meet Hades, that's for certain, yeah. Times like these, they weren't meant for everybody. But for those who did the work, there's now a feeling of samadhi. Some of us are coming, maybe not to this extent. Some of us told you, but now it's not the time to vent. I didn't want to be right. Sometimes I want to go back 2009. But I came here for a reason, and I was stand, bleeding for freedom. I didn't want to be right. Sometimes I want to go back to an easier night. Babylon falling on the weight of itself. So carry on calling from your center heartfelt. Freedom is just a responsibility assumed, responsibility ignored is how they snuck in the door, now it's open and there's a chance for us to learn and to enhance So we grab a wild scene, turn the lock and take the key, it's time to realize there's something deeper at play, do you feel what I feel, do you feel what I say? The great mirror holds answers, a chance to advance us, but you must be willing to look if you're gonna be the commander, man, how many times must we repeat, Shane told me it's me seven from inside of the machine, looking from side Zion, I'm keeping my eye on the growing the Religion the Sion's, fear of the unknown, got am desperate for a bone, a shot in exchange for normality in a cage, altering DNA as a way to replace what it means to be human and the shadows we must face. I didn't want to be right, sometimes I want to go back 2009, but I came here for a reason and I will stand bleeding for freedom. I didn't want to be right, sometimes I want to go back to an easier night, Babylon falling on the weight of itself, so carry on calling from your center So I didn't want to be right, sometimes I want to go back to 2009, but I came here for a reason and I will stand bleeding for freedom, freedom. I didn't want to be right. Sometimes I want to go back to an easier night. Babylon falling on the way of itself. So carry on calling from your center heart felt. I didn't want to be right. I didn't want to be right. I didn't want to be right.